بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. May Allah bless all of you for being here this evening. Uh, as was mentioned last week, the intention is inshallah every Wednesday after Isha instead of a short khatra to have something a little bit longer. And of course, these reminders are for myself first and foremost. So last week we started a, a really nice book called Hidden Blessings, 40 Wisdoms Behind Calamities, Difficulties, Trials, and Tribulations. Uh, the book is available. You can either go to the Noor Publications uh, website or you can go to Amazon. I think the cost is about $15. So if anybody wants to get a copy to keep at home or to follow along uh, just for your own benefit, maybe have a family halaqa at home, there's a lot of good contained, alhamdulillah, within, uh, within this book. And we ask Allah to make all of us from among those who benefit from it immensely as it relates to our dunya and akhirah, especially our hereafter. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Last week we covered wisdoms one and two, so tonight we'll move on to wisdom three, inshallah. Trials and tribulations as a manifestation of love. Hakim al-Ummah, rahimahullah, said, For the seeker and lover of Allah, both suffering and comfort are divine bestowals. The seeker does not differentiate between the two. Just as he is in peace and contentment when in comfort, he remains in peace and contentment during trials and tribulations. Consider that sometimes a host simply serves his guest plain rice, while at other times he serves him with a delicacy. Whichever dish the host presents, it is out of love and respect for his guest. Thus, both meals should be equally appreciated, since the serving of both dishes are the same in terms of the hospitality behind the act. No guest would venture to complain, why have I been served a single dish or why was I only served rice? Nor would anyone consider the serving of either dish to be disrespectful. Uh, so this, the original words are from Hakim al-Ummah, uh, Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thanwi, and the commentary is from Sheikh Tamim Ahmadi. Uh, I did forget, let me see here, are there any of the, I forgot, uh, Abdurrahman, I need your help. Okay, I forgot to, to bring the good stuff. Sour Patch. Do you know where my office is in the corner? Yeah. Okay, so if you open it, um, there should be the two little jars on the desk. Can you bring one of them, please? Thank you. Yeah, just one. Should I bring both? Should you bring both? You can bring both. I think some parents, they're, you know, it's, it's in I the heart. It's in, it's in their me? eyes. You want an entire bottle for yourself? Subhanallah. <laughs> I haven't even asked the question yet, but your hand is ready. Stay tuned though, okay? Because I'm going to ask a couple questions, and if anyone has any thoughts, any reflections, uh, any commentary of their own, I actually really appreciated the uh, the reflections that some shared last week. So may Allah bless all of those uh, who did so. So moving on to the commentary, we can learn from this perspective that if we consider hardship and difficulty to be one dish and comfort to be one dish and comfort and enjoyment to be another, we will accept both of them from our beloved host willingly and happily. We also come to learn that it is not common to be served delicacies all the time. Mawlana Rumi, Allah have mercy on him, calls people who are heedless of Allah spiritually immature. Why? Because they are like children who do not understand why they are receiving a therapeutic but painful injection. The child who is immature does not understand the big picture and simply feels the pain of the injection with, without realizing that the ultimate reason his parents are subjecting him to this is out of love and beneficence. Every difficulty we undergo is tailored by our beloved Allah for us, if we would only be patient. 
Subhanallah, how, how relevant the example of the injection, because, you know, vaccination, etc. We're not getting into that discussion, but it's just very relevant. Thank you, Jazakallahu khairan. May Allah reward you. Turn any sourness in your life into sweetness. Can I, can I pay you for your services? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Let me, here you go. Jazakallahu khairan. Okay, does anyone have any any thoughts, any reflections? Is there anything that stood out to anyone? No one has to share anything, but if anyone does, uh, we, we did this a little bit last week. Uh, we can, it kind of adds a little bit of flavor. Does anyone have any thoughts, any reflections related to, uh, to this point about how sometimes there are good things that happen, sometimes there are bad things that happen, but at the end of the day, they're both dishes, metaphorically speaking, that are... Uh, served from Allah. Any thoughts related to anything? Go ahead. Subhanallah. Perfect. It perfectly ties in. Subhanallah. The hadith of the Prophet uh, in which at the very beginning it grabs your attention. Uh, when the Prophet, he said, والسلام, that the affair of the believer is, is amazing, uh, is ajib. If something, if something good happens, then the believer thinks Allah and it's good for him. And if something bad happens, then he's patient and it, and it ends up being good for him. And this is the case only for the believer. And these two concepts especially tie in with the long-term goal that we all want is to go home, to go to Jannah essentially. And on that day, on the day of judgment, we hope to be rewarded for both, for the, the, the good times that happened in our lives. And we were thankful. The ultimate reward is seen on that day. And then when there are challenges, we try to be patient. Patience is not considered a passive decision in Islam. It's considered to be something active, right? So it's not just being patient, but it's also being persistent. It's also being resilient. It's like clenching your teeth and almost forcing yourself to continue down that path, taking things one day at a time. And there are times when it's extremely difficult. But when we take a step back and we look at the life of the Prophet um, we find that during the most difficult time frame in the life of the Prophet when he loses his beloved wife Khadija radiallahu anha. I mean, think of how significant their relationship was in general and especially in connection with the first decade or so of his da'wah, of his mission, how much support from Sayyidina Khadija, how much love, how much kindness, compassion. Who did the Prophet go to when Sayyidina Jibreel came to him and the whole story of Iqra, his immediate response was to go and seek the comfort of Sayyidina Khadija. He trusted her, her advice, her wisdom, her, her knowledge, her understanding. His immediate knee-jerk reaction was to go home and to go to her. And how did she respond? You find the love, the compassion, the wisdom. Right? He, he goes home and, and he, he mentions, cover me, cover me. And, and he mentions to her that I'm, I'm, I'm worried about myself. This is what just happened. And her immediate response is very telling about the kind of woman she was. Anha. She immediately responds and, and tells him that, Wallahi, Allah would never disgrace you because you're a good person. You take care of the orphans and the widows and you help people. You have family ties, so on and so forth. So this is a, a, just a, a small snippet from her story, radiallahu anha. But imagine how much he would rely on her. He goes out during the day, inviting people to Islam, inviting people, uh, especially once the da'wah was made, was made public, 
And how much ridicule did he deal with? How He would go home every day. He must have been emotionally wounded on a constant basis. And instead of pouring salt in the wound, right, she would, figuratively, she would offer healing. She would offer comfort. She would support him, not only emotionally, which, which is extremely important, but also financially. She was extremely wealthy when she hired him many years before, radiallahu anha, so she hires him and he's extremely honest. He ha- she had been married twice before. She, she had, you know, by that point she knew what she wanted in a spouse, in a husband. She had been widowed twice before. She had already been through immense pain and difficulty. She already had children. By that point, she, she's, not cons- she's not even thinking about the glitz and glamour and how much money does he have in his lineage. And I know what I need. I, I need certain quality traits and what I see in him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam is completely unique. So when the Prophet is, is leaning on her and she's supporting him, and so imagine how important she was in his life, and she passes away, you can argue because of the boycott that they went through because of his mission. Radiallahu anha, she passes away. Sayyidina Abu Talib, he also passed away. Right? Also in connection with the boycott because he went through it with them as well. So he loses them within a very short span of time of each other so kids hang tight i'll have some questions towards the end it won't be too long and i do have some some of the good stuff alhamdulillah but hang tight um so he he goes through this and he goes through that and then he goes to ta'if and he's stoned out of ta'if later say aisha asked him if the day of uhud was his most difficult day he said no it's the day of ta'if so he goes through one and then two and then three and this is for us to keep in mind this was an extremely difficult place the Prophet was at He described it as the most difficult time in his life. So imagine the darkness, imagine the sadness, imagine the depression, the, 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 the low point. That year is known as the year of sorrow, the year of huzn. Nowadays we would explain it as the year of depression. It was an extremely difficult space for the Prophet to be in And how did Allah respond? Allah sent Surah Yusuf. SubhanAllah, Allah sent Surah Yusuf. Look at the timing. There, there's this difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. But then look at the medicine that Allah prescribed. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah sends Surah Yusuf. And what is Surah Yusuf? Difficulty, difficulty, difficulty. And then you have the core of the story when it's the lowest of lows. But then literally overnight, literally overnight, Allah turned the situation from bad into good. Imagine the years upon years that he struggled with that he the difficulties he went through he's in jail for several years as an innocent man he he didn't do anything wrong in fact he's in jail because he didn't do anything wrong he he's in jail because he protected his chastity and his modesty subhanallah and then overnight the king has a dream no one can interpret it but then there's that one guy from years before who says i know one person let me go to him and see if he can help. He goes to Prophet Yusuf salam, and now he's flattering him. Yusuf, you have Siddiq. You know, you're such an amazing, honest person. And he's flattering him because he wants something from him. He wants a favor from him. So he mentions to him, this is the dream. Can you interpret it? So he does. And the, the only person who could interpret it is Prophet Yusuf salam. So he interprets it. And then he explains his story to the king. And he mentions to the king, you know, give, I have the skills needed for this job. You know, uh, uh, I'm qualified for this position. Put me in charge. Subhanallah, look at how the same difficulty he went through in terms of protecting his chastity and not falling for that temptation. 
Think about things from the king's perspective. If he resisted that and was willing to go through all of this difficulty because he valued his ethics and morals so much, guaranteed I can trust him with, with, with the, the treasury of the country because he's already proven it, subhanAllah. So because he passed that test, that proved that he was qualified then to be basically in this, in this position of command. So that, that was indicative to the Prophet ﷺ, things are difficult now, they're going to get better. And they did get better over time. So when the Prophet is telling us ﷺ, that the affair of the believer is amazing, that the, for the good you'll be rewarded, for the bad you'll be rewarded because of how you deal with it as best you can. And this is the, the case only for the believer. Who is saying this? One who went through the most difficulty, ﷺ, the one who embodied what it means to seek help through patience and prayer. And we ask Allah to make us from among them. Amin Rabbil Alameen. We'll move on uh, to wisdom four. Divine wisdom behind tribulations. And this one really, uh, there's a lot of lemonade in this one. Hakim al-Ummah said, Though generally we consider suffering and hardship to be divine tests or trials, the true reality of suffering and hardship is that they are ultimately a means of attaining the highest degree of closeness to Allah as well as true comfort. Attaining the hereafter or Jannah itself. This divine wisdom will be made manifest to all on the Day of Judgment. However, dear friends, the divine wisdom, spiritual realities, and mysteries that lie behind human suffering are constantly being made apparent to the Arifin, knowers of Allah, in this very life. As a result of the continuous manifestation of divine realities upon their hearts, the Arifin no longer perceive various hardships and sufferings as tribulations. They instead see them as divine bestowals. In the commentary, a clear example of this may be found in the story of Musa salam and Khidr salam in Surah Al-Kahf. The story shows us that there is much more to the events of our lives than what appears superficially. There was one companion who, upon suffering a broken leg, succumbed to sadness and grief. Shortly after his injury, the incident between Muawiyah and Ali radiallahu anhum took place. This required that he choose a side in the ensuing battle. The companion excused himself from both sides due to his injury. Subsequently, both sides accepted his excuse, and the companion became extremely happy with his injury and suffering. He would go on to say, All thanks be to Allah, who purified my hands from this blood through the injury in my leg. SubhanAllah. I swear to you, if people were to reflect over the divine wisdom and the benefits of hardship and suffering, they would realize that many of its benefits are reaped in this very world. If we were to understand this, we would not consider any tribulation to be a hardship. Rather, we would look upon it as a divine gift, a bestowal from Allah Most High Himself. And then there's commentary here. I wish to mention the summary of a treatise, uh, a short um, book, you could say, uh, the summary of a treatise authored by Sheikh Izzuddin bin Abdul Salam. Allah have mercy on him for the benefit of the respected readers entitled The Book of Calamities, Tribulations, Hardships, and Disasters or The Benefits of Tribulations and Tests. And just from, just from the title and through this entire book you find that that hadith we're constantly reminded of it. Maybe there's good in this. Maybe there's good in this. Maybe there's good in this. Subhanallah. And you look at the end of the story of Prophet Yusuf salam. At the beginning you have the dream and then at the end you have the fulfillment of the dream. And there were many difficulties and then things change for the better overnight and then doors opened after one after another after another his brothers came they apologized 
his, uh, his, his whole family joined him and they were in a comfortable situation basically. So at the end there is the happy ending, the happily ever after, so to speak. Uh, but in order to get there, of course, there are challenges, but we ask Allah to help us through all of our challenges. So there are 17 things uh, highlighted here. Number one, you realize the power of your Lord over you. Two, you realize your abject slavehood and your complete state of resignation and brokenness before the will and power of Allah. Three, you develop sincerity to Allah. Four, you return to Allah and are suddenly fervent in your desire for your Lord. Five, tribulations, tribulation leads to a humbled state before Allah. Six, you develop forbearance with the one who has afflicted you, referring to Allah. Seven, you begin to be able to forgive others. Eight, you have patience during the tribulation and this is beneficial for you. Nine, because of these benefits, you actually become glad, happy. Ten, you become grateful because of these benefits. Eleven, the calamities provide purification from your wrongdoing and sins. Twelve, Allah enables you to show empathy to people that are in tribulation and help them. Thirteen, tribulations give you the blessing of having true recognition of the extent of blessings. Fourteen, one will inshallah receive what Allah has prepared from the blessings and rewards of the hereafter based on these varying ranks. Fifteen, hidden within the folds of these calamities are blessings. Sixteen, tribulations prevent you from arrogance, evil, pride, and tyranny. And then 17, contentment. SubhanAllah, this is, uh, there's so much here. There, SubhanAllah, the, 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 the attitude of the believer that, you know, there are these lemons, but how can I turn them into lemonade? So these are 17 lemons that we can all squeeze and, and make lemonade. Does anyone have any, any thoughts? Or uh, we can pass the mic if, I know last week one of the youth was, was running around and, and doing that. Anyone from the sister side, from the brother side? Yes, ma'am. I mean, the life of the seerah really embodies that, the, the, the ayahs that you mentioned, that with hardship there's ease, with hardship there's ease. And these ayahs indicate that there's more ease in this situation, interestingly enough, than hardship. So from our perspective, it can be difficult, like the, the, the reference to the story of Prophet Musa and, and Al-Khidr, that at face value we may see things in one way, but then over time we may see the, the, the wisdom behind you know, the, the layers of the situation. And then later on, like what you're saying, we may notice the ease. We may look back and say, you know, at first I didn't see the ease, but now it's very interesting. Allah said in this in these ayahs, with hardship there's ease. In another ayah in Surah Talaq, Allah says, Ba'da usrin yusra, after hardship there's ease. So what, what's interesting here though, Allah is saying, with hardship there's ease. And both are true. With hardship there's ease and after hardship there's ease. Right? But sometimes it can be very difficult. No one is saying this is easy, 
But over time, sometimes we need a little time for the dust to settle. And then we look back and we say, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, because of that difficulty which I hated with all of my heart, because it's human nature for whatever the challenge is, now that I look back on it, because of that I started praying. And through my prayer, I've shed so many tears, but through those tears there's rahmah, there's mercy, there's relief. Right? There, there's the, this letting go of, of maybe some kind of you know, emotional pain, but through those tears they exit the body. And then you actually feel better than before. And the vehicle for that as difficult as that pain was, the vehicle was the prayer, but what led us to that was the pain. And then through the prayer, right, we taste the sweetness of it, and then over time there's the healing, and then maybe years later we look back and we say, SubhanAllah, I may not feel that pain anymore, but I still feel the sweetness of my prayer. And there has been so much good, not only that has come from prayer, but connecting with prayer led to me adjusting when I sleep, and then that led to better habits. And then because of those habits, I stopped hanging out with friends on a Friday night, late at night, for example, and instead I started sleeping early to get up for Fajr on Saturday. And then when I came for Fajr on Saturday in the masjid, right, I met different friends. And then through them, I connected with Qur'an. And then through Qur'an, my whole life has changed. And then through that, I started giving more sadaqah, because that's the, 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 the main product of connecting with Qur'an is generosity. And we learn this from the example of the Prophet ﷺ, when he spent more time with Jibreel in Ramadan, with, with Qur'an, the main thing was he became more generous Wasallam. And then maybe through that someone, they realized that, wow, I didn't realize there are so many people in need. Let me give to this cause and that cause. And then in the long run, when they end up in their grave, inshallah, they're in a state of peace and comfort. And then on the day of judgment, they're, they're, they're in shade. And then they end up crossing the sirat very easily. And then they end up in Jannah and they're in a state of bliss forever and ever and ever. But then in hindsight, maybe there's this really, you know, ugly, rusty key. But what, the pain, but what did that open? Right? What, what kind of good did it lead to, subhanAllah? And then over time, you know, Allah shows us the, in hindsight, okay, now I see the ease that, that was with it. Not even after, yes, but in addition to that with it, subhanAllah. So thank you for mentioning that. Jazakallah khair. Anyone on the brother side? And then we can conclude in a, in a few minutes, inshallah. We don't want these to be too long. Yes, sir. So it reminds me when I end the Quran, Surah So just to, to repeat it uh, briefly, uh, so, so we can all hear, inshallah. Jazakul uh, thank you for, for sharing and for, uh, for mentioning that. Uh, in Surah Al-Fajr, there's an ayah in which, uh, which was quoted just now, in which Allah says that when, when blessings are taken away from some people, their response is that, in a, not literally, but the feeling is like, my life is over, Allah has disgraced me, Allah doesn't love me anymore. Uh, you know, the, this is like the, the worst thing ever. It's not to say that that would be easy, but in these two ayahs back to back, what Allah, is, what Allah is teaching us is to adjust our paradigm, to adjust our perspective. So in the first of those two ayahs, Allah mentions, uh, uh, 
That when their blessings in so materially, when they're given more material things, then they say, My Lord has honored me. But then when they lose some material things, they say, My Lord has disgraced me. So Allah mentions both sides of the coin. And then a- immediately after that, So Allah tells us more about the people who have this attitude in uh, which Allah is criticizing that they don't, they don't care uh, about honoring the, the orphans. They don't care uh, about feeding people. They don't, they don't care about human decency, right? They only care about, about money, essentially which has its time and its place. And Alama ibn Taymiyyah, he, it's funny, he compared money to the toilet. Like you need it, but it's really, it's nothing more than that. SubhanAllah, just to put things in, in perspective. Uh, so in, in these ayat, Allah is reminding us that your situation is worth more than the material things that you have. Right? How do you treat orphans? How do you treat the poor? Do you care about feeding people? Do you, do you care about helping others? So this, this is to, to help us to adjust uh, our perspective and to see the, the bigger picture. So if someone is blessed with more material things, right? Like the hadith that Dr. Abdul Basit mentioned, the response should be for the believer to thank Allah. There's nothing wrong if, if someone is blessed with big house, nice car, you name it, amazing children, all kinds of things regarding dunya. That's fine so long as the path to get there is halal, obviously. And then how is the response? Right? How is the response? Is the response to thank Allah? If so, then in the long run, it ends up being good for them. And then the, 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 the other type of situation is true. If there's a difficulty, but if they respond in a way with patience, with persistence, with resilience, then they end up being rewarded for, for both situations uh, in the long run. Any, any, maybe one last comment on either side before we conclude, inshallah? Or should I? Yes, sir. I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. Remember me and I'll remember you. Fadkuruni adkurkum, yes. Yes. SubhanAllah. To remember me. And that ayah is right before the ayah where Allah tells us, O you who believe, seek help through patience and prayer, through perseverance and prayer. There's no doubt Allah is with those who persevere. In Allah ma'asabirin. But right before that, right, dhikr, right? Allah says, Remember me and I'll remember you. Be grateful and don't be ungrateful. And the, the two are connected, right? To remember Allah in times of ease. And he'll remember us in times of hardship. And then also the, the opposite can be true. Maybe someone, they're very distant from Allah. There's hardship and so they wake up and they realize, I need to connect with Allah. So when they do that and they remember Allah in the present, then Allah will remember, will remember them in the future. right? So whatever, wherever we are on the wheel of fortune, um, the, the, the idea is to try to remain centered. And regardless of the ups and downs, easier said than done, but regardless of the ups and downs to continue with our dhikr to remember Allah if times are good, if times are bad, to try to, to, to stay on track as best we can. We all need each other. We all need jama'ah. We all need uh, community, which is why it's extremely important. And I'll conclude with this, inshallah. The, the importance, and this ties in here, uh, this one specifically jumped out of the page at me like a pop-up book. Uh, number 12, out of the 17, Allah enables you to show empathy to people that are in tribulation and help them. So if somebody is struggling with difficulty, if they made whatever, whatever mistake, if they commit some major sin, if whatever the case may be, someone is struggling with addiction, someone is struggling with whatever problems in their lives, if they show up to the masjid, maybe they don't look how someone who goes to the masjid often, they may not look the way that they would assume how somebody would look when they come to the masjid, but we need to have wisdom, and I'll conclude with a very brief story, 
because we don't know what they're going through. Brief story. Uh, one time, this was in, in another community in America. This was uh, in a totally different state, so you know, not even close to here. There was a, a sister. She showed up to the masjid. She was dressed generally modestly, but modestly, excuse me, but technically she wasn't covering her hair. And she shows up to the masjid. She enters the lobby. And there was a brother with good intentions, but some people may hurt other people, even if they have good intentions. Uh, it doesn't justify it, so we need to reflect and, and to think twice before making these types of decisions. So this brother sees her and, and immediately goes to her and basically starts lecturing her. This is the house of Allah. What is wrong with you? Have you no shame? Why are you not covering your hair? Don't you know there's this ayah and this hadith? And, and just like really laying it on thick. And there was another brother who was there who kind of saw the damage that was happening, happened to be passing by, saw what was happening and intervened and said, you know, ex excuse me, sister, can I help you? Do you need help with anything? And she said, you know, um, I'm not that practicing of a Muslim. And I know that I'm not where I want to be in my relationship with Allah. But I just got news that my mother who lives in another country, basically her home country, she grew up in a Muslim country. She said, I just got news that my mother over there, that she just passed away. I didn't know what to do other than to go to the house of Allah. To just start there. Nothing makes sense to me right now. I can't even think. But something in me was telling me, just go to the masjid and then go from there. Just go to the house of Allah and go from there. So that's why I'm here. As soon as she said that, the first brother said, I'm, I'm really sorry, I didn't know, please forgive me. And, you know, she said, okay, you know, that, that's fine, I'm not going to hold it against you. But next time, please be a little bit more considerate because you don't know what people are going through. He said, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And, and things were, you know, there was the attempt to patch things up. But look at number 12, Allah enables you to show, to show empathy to people that are in tribulation and help them. And the word tribulation here can be understood in a variety of ways. In that situation, that sister was in a state of tribulation because her, her mom just passed away. And her response was to go to the masjid. Now person one, brother one, you know, was struggling with the empathy part. But then brother two had more empathy. And that actually, who knows, maybe that, that, that played a, a significant role in, 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 you know, that situation not becoming, you know, causing deeper damage uh, than, than it initially could have. So the idea is to just show rahmah, just be nice to people, be kind to people. And then as you learn over time, maybe you learn, maybe we don't, no one owes us an explanation for us to try to live prophetically and to show prophetic mercy towards them, sallallahu alayhi wa In fact, it's, it's the opposite, the norm should be rahmah, and then if there's anything that's maybe outside of that, then there has to be like a hundred different conditions that are met, right? 99% of the time the Prophet forgave people, there was that 1%, Fatha Mecca, you had a few people because they crossed really serious boundaries. But the norm was, go because you guys are forgiven today. He quoted Prophet Yusuf salam. We'll go ahead and conclude. We ask Allah to make this a reminder of benefit for us. We ask Allah to fill our hearts and our lives with light. We ask Allah to turn any difficulties that we're dealing with into ease, any calamities that we're dealing with into ease, any trials and tribulations that we may be facing, we ask Allah to turn all of them into ease. Amir Rabbil Alameen, Hasbunallahu and Amir Wakil. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, Nashadu la ilaha illa ant, Nasta furukum and tubu lekwal asr, in al insana lafi husr, illa ladina amu amu salihat, wa tawasa bil haki, wa tawasa bil sabr. I didn't forget 
I don't see any kids here, but if there are kids who can hear me, come to the front and you guys will get a piece of candy just for being here tonight. You don't need any trivia questions, but come to the front and I'll give you something, inshallah. Jazakum khairu. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.